I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and we are back after our holiday break. Um, I didn't, I wasn't sure if a whole lot was going to happen, and it turns out everything happened uh, over the last couple weeks that we've been off after the race signed Michael Walker. And joining me to talk about it today is Darby Robinson. Darby, first off, how are your holidays, man? Hi, Brett. Uh, my holidays were good. Happy New Year. Um, Happy New we're Year. done with 2020. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, the holidays were good. They were different, nice and low key, which is kind of nice. Um, but right during all of that, during, you know, probably one, I, I forget exactly the scenario because it's been a, a couple days, but one, you know, one night probably sipping on some eggnog, get, <laughs> get some phone updates that, uh, the Rays made a humongous move. Yeah. I was actually, I was with my girlfriend and her parents and we were watching a movie and I had to kind of like step aside. Like there was some like work crisis, which it wasn't, it was just a trade and trades happen all the time. But I spent like the last hour and a half of the movie just kind of piecing together what had happened. And obviously we're talking about the trade of Blake Snell to the San Diego Padres. These rumors have been around that Blake Snell was on the market for the entire off season. And on this podcast and, and, and on D Ray's Bay, we didn't, we didn't uh, say that it was just impossible. Even, you know, Danny came on and said, yeah, these rumors are true. They Rays are open to trading Blake Snell, but I think Rays fans and, and the writers that cover the team kind of saw it as, well, yeah, the Rays are open to trading anybody. Blake Snell is on the team. And if the return is there, they will trade him. Come to find out, the Rays did find a deal that was good enough to take. They trade him to the San Diego Padres in uh, exchange. The Rays brought back Francisco Mejia, who is a catcher slash maybe outfielder. They brought back Luis Patino, a top pitching prospect from the Padres system. Cole Wilcox, who was a 2020 third-round pick um, out of the University of Georgia. And that last name is not in front of me right now. Um, It's uh, Hunt, right? The catcher, Hunt. Blake Hunt. Okay, Blake Hunt, another catcher. So we've seen the Rays add multiple catchers this offseason. They got Herbert Hernandez, um, Francisco Mejia, and now Blake Hunt. But Darby, like you said, it, it was it was just late at night uh, a couple days ago that that the, the news breaks about Blake Snell being traded. What was your like initial reaction when you when you saw that the Padres had a deal in place to acquire left-handed pitcher Blake Snell? A lot of shock. Right. Like this one, the Rays trading people, Rays trading a big key piece, shocking the baseball world. I usually I've been pretty, I, I don't want to say like it, I have been above the fray of the shock, right? You see, yeah. you see all the peasants out there in the normal land being shocked by the Rays trading Tommy Pham, the Rays shocked by trading Chris Archer and then trading for Tommy Pham the same. Well, what are they doing? They're, they're tanking, they're buying, what's happening? 
it's always been like I've, me and my ivory castle snooty as can be thinking I could be a, beyond any shock of the Rays. But this one was like seriously shocking because I think this wasn't, I, I was prepared. I'm always prepared for mm -hmm. the Rays making a trade, but not this, not Snell and not now. Right. right. Like I think, I think that really was a, a, almost a gut punch, especially Blake Snell beyond the baseball side of things, because we we're going to, you know, talk a bit, maybe a little bit about how the Rays progress in terms of value and replacing the value that Blake Snell provides, which is, which is a tremendous amount, but I don't want to just talk about that. Cause I really do think Blake Snell, the person was such a fun, bright star. He was a breakthrough cross baseball kind of star. Like he, his Twitch stream uh, where, where he really kind of helped to engage with fans of baseball and not of baseball at all kind of helped to break him loose. Like the Rays don't really usually have a lot of household names, but he kind of became one, yeah. uh, especially this off season, right? Like he, he, he said some stuff and got in the news uh, with, with the, with COVID and, and the, the payroll changes, but that kind of helped to sort of spark the line that the players union right. sort of stood by. So that was kind of cool. And we, we know him from his instant trade reactions on Twitch. <laughs> uh, he got kind of a little memed there and we, you know, we saw him kind of be the person that's playing as the Rays, talking about the Rays, you know, Tampa Bay Rays, Blake Snell in the MLB Players Tournament and mm. in the show and on ESPN and on MLB Network. Like he was this guy that got attention, uh, deservedly so. And we saw him as Rays fans kind of, kind of rise as this high schooler from the Northwest. So not a lot of eyeballs on him, not a lot of knowledge of him becoming one of the top pitching prospects, becoming one of the most exciting young pitchers, being very shy to being a dominant left-hander, showing what he could do, winning the Cy Young, and then really emerging as a personality beyond wow. just the play. And I think with baseball, it always struggles for those personalities and those stars. So Blake Snell, for me, is just a guy I'm going to miss on the team because he was such a fun bigger than baseball kind of personality. And I'm really excited for him in San Diego to kind of be with some other big personalities as well. So including Tommy Pham, including Tommy Pham. <laughs> uh, and hopefully that star keeps rising because Blake Snell deserves even more attention because he's really, he's an awesome pitcher, but he's a really, really cool dude. Yeah. It, it, the fact that the Rays drafted Blake Snell way back in 2011, outside of, of Kevin Kiermaier, and you could argue the star level of Kevin Kiermaier, the Rays haven't had that many homegrown players that they drafted or, or initially signed for international players that become stars in, in their organization. The, the re, only other real examples are Evan Longoria and David Price. So to see Blake Snell, you look at some of the other guys, like you know some of the other guys that have been great Rays players, including on the team right now, even Willie Adamas, who we kind of consider homegrown, the Rays acquired in a trade way back in 2014 for David Price. And that's how the Rays kind of operate. They bring in really good young players through trades and through other methods. To, to see a guy like Blake Snell, who was drafted with the team, uh, do amazing things in the minor leagues and then come up and replicate those things in the big leagues, win a signing in 2018, which you could argue is the best season for position players or pitchers in a Rays uniform ever with, with how dominant he was. And then, like you said, blossom as, as a personality for, for multiple reasons. 
Uh, it, that was just awesome. And we knew that, I, I think everyone knew that Blake Snell was not going to pitch past this original contract extension in a Rays uniform. And I think that was almost confirmed, if it wasn't already, uh, when he uh, joined forces with Scott Boris last year to become his agent. So we knew that eventually he was going to pitch for a team that wasn't the Tampa Bay Rays. But coming off another season that was pretty strong for him, uh, his last outing in a Rays uniform was an amazing performance in Game 6 of the World Series. We knew that eventually this was going to happen. We weren't ready for it. I don't think Rays fans were ready for it. And part of the reason for that is because he has three years left on a very team-friendly contract extension. Back when he signed that extension... It only ate up one of his free agency years, right? So it ate up the rest of his arbitration years and then one free agency year. And I I knew that that just pushes back the timetable to trade Blake Snell. But in reality, it didn't. In reality, he was traded maybe even earlier than he would have been if he hadn't signed that contract extension. And after that news broke, a lot of people in the media and a lot of just normal people on Twitter we're framing it as, oh, this is just what the Rays do. As soon as a player is starting to make money, they trade him. But it's not like Blake Snell was an arbitration. It's not like he was scheduled for a huge pay grade. The Rays agreed to pay him this money a couple years ago. And they still made the move. They brought in a lot of talent. But this is not something we've seen the Rays do. Darby, can you like? is there a deal that the Rays have done that's similar to this? Maybe the James Shields trade? But even then, and Shields only had, uh, I think it was club options for, for another year or two. This is definitely a different, this is a different trade. This is a absolutely, I think a unique one because we have seen the Rays way, especially when it comes to pitchers is to trade at about two years left. And that gets you your, your best mix between value of the player to your team actually playing with you and value in trade. With a year left or half a year left, uh, you're you're selling a rental. You're not going to get much back, but you've also gotten the most of that player. You've gotten that value in in actual playing for your team. Um, which a lot of times when we talk about like trade value and surplus value and stuff with trades, and a lot of people kind of get caught up in this. People forget that there is value in just having the player, right. uh, and 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 this also comes with a lot of the fringe prospects that you keep that maybe are used as depth. Like, yes, you didn't trade them for their max value, but they probably didn't have that much and they still have value actually playing. So Blake Snell, trading him now at three years does sort of break that mode. Like James Shield was traded with about two years left, two full years left, and they got a nice big amount. And that was a big, that was a big trade, but it really made a lot of sense. And it, for me, even though James Shields was my favorite Rays pitcher, maybe my favorite Rays player of all time. That trade really sat well with me kind of right away, just because it was the type of thing where when you have a pitcher, you have coming down to the end of the contract, you have a couple of options. One, you let him pitch out their contract, you get a couple more years and you make that run there. Two, you extend them. Uh, and you kind of know like, okay, they're probably not going to take a small extension. It's going to be a multi-year, a lot of money. And now you're running a big risk, uh, mm-hmm. cause pitching is by far the most risky. You're doing an unnatural body motion that can break at any moment. Um, or you trade them for that value. Right. And so with shields, they traded them. They got back a really big return. Uh, Kansas city got value in James shields for two years. They won a world series. The Rays got back a whole heap of prospects that 
you know, Will Myers still currently playing. Odorizzi is still still quite good. They Very moved good those too. around. Uh, Will Myers only was there a short time. They traded him for Trey Turner and Jake Bowers and uh, moved Trey those Turner. pieces around to create Sousa. So there was a lot of talent moved around in that trade. So they got value back there. But if you look at James Shields, those two years, the playing them worked out well for Kansas City. Trading them worked out well for, for the Rays. Wade Davis as well. With, with that trade, right? You, you traded them. Kansas City used the t- those two years as playing, got good value. The Rays traded them, got a lot back. What happened after that was the contract, the free agent contract extension, which happened with San Diego, mm-hmm. and that did not work out well. They his basically the the contract that San oh. Diego signed him to. They got two things out of it. One, <laughs> he gave up a home run to Bartolo Colon, which is maybe the best <laughs> and last pitching uh, highlight, and they traded him somehow got out of that contract to Sox for Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately that was his James Shields best pitching was on that contract. That that last contract extension was his best pitching and it it unfortunately never came back. Now Snell is younger, so I have no doubt that he will still be valuable, but you do think that these 3 years might be his very best. Mm-hmm. And it might be a you know, on going down to the other slope, but that means there's still three years left. So trading him now, not next off season. I think that's the difference, right? You know, Chris yeah. Archer was traded with two years left. James Shields, two years left. David Price about a year and a half. That's a right around the time that you, you make this trade. Usually now the Rays in this pandemic, we're in an interesting financial situation. And I like to evaluate the trades by their merit and the whole package and, you know, not get into the financial argument part of things because that's its own separate thing about the raise payroll and, and whatnot. But there's a number that is set that Eric Neander and that front office have to get under. And their job is to compete for that number. So trading Snell now versus next year, will that help them compete right now? Right now as today? No, they're a worse team. And Neander said as much. And he said as much, you know, he's not going to deny reality here. They're, they're worse. Blake Snell is a very good pitcher. He's a three to five win pitcher. He has Cy Young stuff. His only big knock is length. You know, I mean, the, the whole, whole meme of the game six, you know, being pulled at that point. I mean, if you've watched Snell, like he does not go deep into games and it's not just the Rays kind of way. He uses a lot of pitches, but kind of in the Charlie Morton, mode of going max effort and giving you like five or six great rather than seven or eight okay yeah and so and the Rays were built for that too and they're built for that and 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 they're that's the that's the method so it'll be interesting to see with san diego does he go deeper does he find another level like he's already been a cy young so it's hard to say there's another level but can he go that extra big level or have we sort of seen like this is the best of blake snell which is really good not you know, if, if this is what Blake Snell, if he's nothing different than this, there is no other level. San Diego is going to be very, very happy for three years. Right. And in San Diego, just to quickly touch on, on what they're building, they go out and get you Darvish the very next day. They already traded for Mike Clevenger, who's going to be uh, recovering from Tommy John surgery. So we won't see him for a while, but they're building something that's very, very enticing. They've got Denelson Lamette. They've got Chris Paddock, who had a rough sophomore year, but a lot of potential with him. Like the Padres... You, you talk about teams that had the best rotation. 
in the blink of an eye, the Padres might be the unanimous number one on that list with Snell, Darvish, and Lamette. And then you include Paddock, and you include Mackenzie Gore, who's up and coming, and then Clevenger whenever he's healthy. I think that would probably be a consensus number one rotation uh, with all things considered. So very interesting to see Preller, who is no uh, stranger to going for it, you make these two moves in rapid succession and, and really set the Padres up for what could be a very exciting next few years in the NL West. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you'd mentioned the Darvish trade, right? You know, so Snell wins the Cy Young two years ago. Mm-hmm. Darvish very nearly won the Cy Young this right. past year. Yeah. Uh, but it is fascinating. Those two trades are very different and very like the, if we're going to talk about the actual raise, like the Snell trade, we, the trading them now is is odd. It's a different thing. However, they did get a return that's kind of a, a reason why you when you trade a three years, you're getting absolute peak value, peak possible. And they did get some really talented players back. There's debate on some of them, but like Luis Patino, the, the headliner there is unbelievably like he is one of the ten best prospects in all of baseball. Yeah one of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball and very soon could be that Blake Snell level of like super talented young star right away. And then you have the extra bits. You Darvish did not fetch that kind of return. Now he's older, he's more expensive, but still three years of control. If I'm San Diego, I look at the Blake Snell do deal and I do that, you know, every time I think you're, you're in a San Diego desperately needs contention they have they just made the postseason for the first time in forever last year and they have been in the wilderness for years like we the rays have been in contention way more and way sooner than the the, they desperately needed to kind of be however if i if i'm the padres fan i'm like wow darvish for that like i would have that would have been like get, sign me up for that every time. Yeah. Like anybody else selling a Cy Young runners up for like four 19 year olds. Cause that would be great. <laughs> That's what it was pretty much. Yeah. And the, all the Cubs had to do was throw in Victor Caratini who apparently. Yeah. Likes... Darvish's personal catcher. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that, that was, uh, that was a very good deal. I think for the, for the Padres to, to, to build their rotation, but let's take this a little more uh, wide scope. Uh, Blake Snell, like we said, three years left team friendly really no matter who the team is not a trade that I, I think the race front office would make if they didn't feel like they had to and yes i love the return we can talk about those guys a little bit later but like you said there's also value in just keeping the player you don't have to trade them and this these might be blake snell's three best years i don't know if you know 2018 might be an outlier by a little bit doesn't mean that blake snell's a bad pitcher but these next three seasons together might be his, his best pitching the race could have kept him for pretty cheap. They could have kept him for another year or two, gotten the value out of him those two years, and even though they might have lost value, still made out pretty good once they did trade Blake Snell. Can you think of it? I can't think of off the top of my head a team, and, and let's kind of, let's forget about the fact that the Rays are the defending American League champions. But can you think of a team with three years left on a relatively young, relatively healthy starting pitcher with three team-friendly years left, to, to a trade like that where a team would move on? Because even if even if the Rays were a fourth or fifth-place team in the AL East last year, with three years left, a lot of other teams could think, well, we've got a young pitcher like this. 
we could compete by the time this contract is up. The Rays were the best team in the American League last year, and not by a little bit either. I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, this might be an unprecedented trade across all of baseball all time. I, I can't think of anything like it. Can you? In terms of like talent, no. I think you can look at guys that were in a similar hype range of like Shelby Miller got traded yeah. at, at like a similar, but Shelby Miller, like this isn't even close in terms of like <laughs> actual like breakthrough, right? Like right. he, he, he was a guy that was like on the the fast rise that Arizona tried to buy and, and did not work out so well. Um, I mean, was Grinky really. ever in a deal like this? Like I, I, I know he was traded so three, times. three year deal, like three years remaining with that much control makes it so unique. Right. Usually, yeah. usually with a young pitcher like this, it's, you know what? They're not going to be able to resign him. So you, you trade him at one year left. Mm-hmm. Maybe you move it a year early. You kind of push that there. Um, I was thinking about like the Josh Donaldson trade from Oakland, which not again, not pitcher, but like mm. big time, young emerging star level uh, player that's traded with multiple years of team control left mm-hmm. that seems to try to jump the kind of market. I, but no, this is it's a very unique thing, right? Like I, I would have to look through and see if there is others that kind of really hit that and what the, ex- usually you, I think the biggest thing is there would be extenuating circumstances. Right. And you could say that a global pandemic that every team has claimed has absolutely decimated their bottom line would be that circumstance. But I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. There are ways to cut this out. Like if, if, if the ownership said you got to get this payroll down, like every team was like 20% less, you got to cut 20% minimum. There are ways that you could cut that seemingly to keep Snell one year. So I do think there had to have been a decision there where it's Snell or the rest, mm-hmm. right? Snell, Snell's were, you know, getting paid about 10, $11 million. And you could have cut, you could basically trade Kevin Kiermeyer, eat a couple of million of those dollars for almost nothing. Right. You basically trade like true salary dump. The equivalent the of a guaranteed are... salary non-tender of Kevin Kiermaier. Yes. Yeah. And the Rays have really kind of avoided doing the true salary dumps. Longoria is probably the best example. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And they got a pretty decent, like Christian Arroyo is a pretty decent, like, you know, 45, 50 grade prospect back who unfortunately just a lot of injuries, but he's, he's kind of trying to churn his way back, but yeah, mostly there, the return isn't as much as getting out from that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like maybe a, like a Kevin Kiermaier salary dump plus cutting Jose Alvarado and Choi and like basically non-tendering anybody that, that, that has a young replacement, you could have gotten to Blake sell salary and more. But I also wonder if they're thinking like, okay, we're needing to cut this. We're going to need this payroll. This is the price tag. Can you move Snell, get back Patino, who you think can be maybe 70%, 60% of Snell now, 80% next year, and 110% of Snell in three years, plus Mejia, who fills your catcher need, plus two other prospects who you've had your eye on. I know Wilcox was one that... A lot of people had linked to the Rays earlier. Plus, with that money saved, maybe you can take like another four or five million and go add like a Chris Archer or a Garrett 
Richards or something like that. Basically, when all the pieces settle, what's the chessboard look like? And I don't know if it's the right move, honestly. Like, if I'm not going to say, like, this was definitely the right move. But I do think if you're having to look at it, if you're saying, like, if the, if the, if the demand from a pie set a payroll level that was absolutely absurdly low and you're having to still build a contender now into the future, I think you could have cut a lot of things to make that work for Snell now. Or you can say, we're going to take a small step back to take the giant leap forward. And that's the bet. I'm not saying that's what yeah. I'm saying. That's the, the thinking and the bet maybe. Yeah. I don't know if anyone, if the listeners can hear this, but there's a horn honking outside my window. So I apologize for that. If that's the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's the bullshit alert that's going <laughs> out of me trying to. Um, yeah, they could have cut Kevin Kiermaier. Like they, I mean, moved on from Kevin Kiermaier. And I think coming They off- still might. They still might. Let's well, be honest. Like yeah. the the we don't know what their payroll is going to be and it could be some absurdly low number. Right I now that- Fangraphs has the projection I just had it up at 57 million dollars. And we don't know that's not finalized yet because arbitration uh, they've either got to settle with those guys or it's going to go to a hearing. The guaranteed contracts are Kiermaier, Yoshi, who, I mean, that's another big guaranteed contract for one more year. It's $7 million. Uh, Brandon Lau, who I was going to say that we don't have to call him B-Lau anymore because they traded N Low, but you've also got J Low, who's coming out, Josh Low, who's just added to the 40-man to roster. So we can keep calling him B-Lau. And then Michael Walker, who they signed on a one-year deal. Yeah, I think the Rays, Rays fans, you have every right to be upset about this. And we kind of avoided the debate of whether or not this is a good trade or not. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, but you have every right to be upset about this because we just watched this team, the way they were assembled in 2020, in my opinion, the best Rays team ever assembled. Defensively, pitching, hitting, base running, everything. Better than the 2018, better than the 2010 team. Uh, and, and their record showed it. Obviously, it was only a 60-game season, but they won 67% of those games and were two wins away from the World Series. They could have easily, under last year's salary, which was already really low, just said, let's run it back. And it was looking like the only big move was replacing Charlie Morton with Michael Walker, which isn't that big of a drop-off, and you're saving $12 million in the process. Losing Blake Snell, that hurts because we don't know if Patino is going to be as good as Blake Snell. He doesn't have to be as good as Blake Snell for this trade to be a quote-unquote good trade. But we don't know what he's going to look like in the rotation. There's still a lot of question marks about the rotation with Torino's hurt, McKay hurt. We don't know how long McKay is going to be out. I tend to be a little bit more pessimistic about his injury status. Uh, and a lot of other young pitchers, Brent Honeywell. Anything you get out of Brent Honeywell, I think, is a plus at this point. You're not banking on anything out of him. Uh, you just hope he gets back on a mound somewhere. He, did, he was given another option year, so he can start the year in Durham. Be No idea what you're going to get out of him. And I think we just crave the feelings that we felt in 2020. Like, during that run, when the Rays in the Fall Classic were the center of the sports universe, reliving those moments like we did in Game 4 of the World Series, agonizing those moments like we did in game six of the world series with Blake Snell, the path to the world series, like it just doesn't look as strong in 2021. I still think they can get there. I still think they're one of the best teams in the American league. I still think they have a very good chance of repeating as American league East champions, but these moves, it feels like they didn't have to be made. And yeah, if, if the financial situation is really that bad, then 
we might have uh, bigger issues within our fandom than just who's going to be on the team next year. Because I, I, you know, I don't care who's on the team as long as there's a team here at all. That's a different podcast um, to have. But Darby, I guess we can just move to this part of the the trade. D- did you like to return? I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. See, this is an interesting question, right? (laughs) I I, I can't say yes or no. Do do I, I... I think the return is absolutely fair for Blake Snell. Is this a return that I would move Blake Snell now for rather than just roll it, run it out? If I, if I had, if I had my, my druthers, if I, if it wasn't like, you know, any payroll like constraint that I'm really cutting down, I'm just taking it as a baseball trade. I, I would not, I would say, no, I would keep Snell instead of this package. Now it, and I know people hate the term like a fair trade because they want to win. You want to you want to fleece them, right? Let's you trade our just... bad players for good players. Yeah, you want, <laughs> like three bad players for for Fernando Tatis. Let's get it. Uh, three guys we're gonna cut on the forty man. Uh, no, it it's it fair is what you're aiming for, right? Like there's there's no dumb GMs in there in the league. I know there's a well, lot that people go. <laughs> I'm going to say there's no, there's no, everybody's working with a pretty similar information set and everybody has slight, slight edges on what they like. And there's a lot of really smart people. And it takes oftentimes for those, those big lopsided trades, like say the Pittsburgh one, it really takes a desperation. It mm-hmm. takes a team saying, we got to push our chips right now. And yes, this is an overpay, but we got to do it. And the Rays never want to be in that situation. So they do want to make trades early rather than late because they don't want to be stuck needing to like buy wins, whether that's in the trade market or the free agent market. So I do think this is, if you look at also compared to the Udarvis trade, like this is, I, I, this is a fine, this is a really good return. Like this was not a salary dump. This was not a desperation move. They were just moving Snell because they got to get under the payroll by January 1st. This was a trade that you can, I can, sell this as an actual baseball trade mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah Luis Patino I adore I like this this guy like I know maybe a lot of race fans have watched the Marlins game so like Sixto Sanchez came up and absolutely dazzled against the Rays too against the Rays this get Luis Patino is a I think a little bit better prospect. Uh, Eric Longenhagen also thinks that he's a little bit better prospect. Kylie McDaniel thinks he's a little bit better prospect. There's quite a few folks that have Luis Patino ranked slightly above Sixto Sanchez, and but very close. Like we're talking two of the better prospects. So we've seen what Sixto can do. We've seen how dazzling that could be. I think Patino is right there. So so that's a huge get. I've been less on Francisco Mejia. I've been quite down on him for for pretty much since his Cleveland days. Mm-hmm. I have never really bought into the hype, but he was a formerly massive top yeah. prospect, like top 25 guy in all of baseball. And in a lot of ways, this trade reminds me, and, and I kind of sort of said this, is that when Blake, if Blake Snell was going to be moved, it would take a Chris Archer-like return. 
uh, Chris Archer plus basically. And this is basically Chris Archer plus because you got a guy like Blake Hunt is sort of your, your plus. That's like two Shane Bozes, Blake Hunt and Cole Wilcox, maybe slightly slight under Shane Boz, but two of those guys plus Francisco Mejia, kind of like your Tyler Glass now, a post hype, but still hyper talented, former top 25 prospect. And then your your blue chipper, your Luis Patino or Austin Meadows. Right. That's your yeah. your guy that's not quite there. A little bit of taste of the majors, all the talent in the world. Get him now because you won't ha- won't get a chance to get him next year. So it is the Chris Archer plus trade. It does make sense from that. The return is good. If Francisco Mejia can stay as catcher and, and Eric Neander is, and the team views him clearly as a catcher to have him be the second piece. His bat is close. The bat speed is really incredible on tape. Like he's a free swinger, but he, he, uh, JT Morgan on the site on the Slack had this amazing comp for him that he's basically like a switch hitting Corey Dickerson. (laughs) <laughs> like tons of free swinging, but like can make contact with absurdly bad pitches. As a catcher, like, sign me up for that. You know, one hundred. And that's the thing, right? Corey Dickerson, corner outfielder, not as valuable. Put him behind the plate. Suddenly, that's really good. Now it's can Francisco Mejia stay behind the plate? Can he make enough contact to uh, generate that power that he does have? We'll see. If Francisco Mejia can can kind of be that Tyler Glass now, that that breakthrough, like suddenly find find it here in Tampa, then, then yeah, this might be a, a pretty good trade. Right now, I'm, I'm still taking the Blake Snell side of things just because I'll take the less in a year and one more year with Snell and Glass now at the top than the package now. I, I totally understand there's financials involved, but I think just from a pure trade wise, I think it's fair. I think it could look really good really soon but I'm still taking the the more sure thing in snow. This was also the best trade I think they could have made. Like this was the best return they could have gotten if they were set on trading Blake Snell, whoever made that decision. And I don't know that was the case, but if they were set like, okay, Blake Snell's got to move and it's got to be this winter. This is probably the best they could have done from an organization that's got such a deep prospect pool only rivaled by the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and, And yeah, I'm very excited to see a guy like Luis Patino get to go through his first, you know, formative big league years in a Rays uniform. The same way we got to see Chris Archer do it. In the same way we got to see Blake Snell do it. And Tyler Glass now as well. So I'm glad to see that. And I know that one day Luis Patino will be traded as well, especially if he turns out to be as good as as we expect. But we get to watch a few years of him in the Rays uniform. And another, you know, this year a Rays team that's going to be competing for a World Series. And Patino and Mejia are two guys that are competing for, or they're, they're going to be on this roster and could play very valuable roles on this roster in a similar way to, not, I don't want to compare these trades, uh, you know, there, there are apples to oranges, but going back to the David Price trade, which was a rental, you brought in Drew Smiley, who was there to help the team r- right away. And then you had Willie Adamas, who was multiple years away. Now we're getting to see Willie Adamas on the, at the big league level. So I think it's very similar to that. You've got, Mejia and Patino that are going to help this year. And you've got Wilcox, who was at one point out of the University of Georgia, a first round prospect, ended up falling to the third round. But I think he signed for like first round money. Yeah, he got first round money. And, <laughs> Padres uh, paid him out. He He's going to be very good, too, I think. He was part of the same rotation in Georgia that had Emerson Hancock, another very highly touted prospect. 
And uh, the the only nugget I've got on Cole Wilcox is that he faced Florida State in the Athens Regional a couple of years ago and got absolutely shelled um, by the Knowles, on, who were en route to the, their last College World Series appearance uh, of Mike Martin Sr.'s tenure. So that's my only nugget on Cole Wilcox. But he was very good, <laughs> very, very good outside of that game where he went like three innings and gave up six runs uh, against Florida State. So... Very excited about that. Obviously, I had another catching prospect with Blake Hunt. And, yeah, I would have kept Blake Snell, too. But he's gone. He's going to be gone at some point. So, in that situation, I wasn't really shocked. It was shocking to see when it happened. Real quick, before we wrap up tonight, uh, and we've talked a lot about Blake Snell, let's talk about the move that had to be made officially before the Blake Snell trade was official to create the roster space for Patino and Mejia. Jose Alvarado traded to the Philadelphia Phillies. Obviously, the Phillies need as many relievers as they can get. Jose Alvarado, like you and I have talked about, a very low-risk, high-reward reliever stock that the Rays initially bought when they tendered him a contract for this year. But the Phillies are going to buy that stock from them. And I think this is a trade that I kind of like for for all the teams involved. Yeah, the Rays could have kept Jose Alvarado for somewhere around a million dollars. But they added uh, Garrett Paulson, who's... I think another pretty solid prospect, hitting prospect. He's a first baseman, so you can only be so highly rated as a first base prospect. But Paulson's a guy from his minor league numbers I really like, and Alvarado is a guy that we haven't really seen at his top form since 2018, and it's going to be three years removed from that. So I don't know. I like this move from all sides. What about you? Yeah, no, I I think this is a really good trade in terms of what – for the Phillies, it's great. It's a great bet. I think we mentioned how I would hate to see Alvarado non-tendered over a million dollars just because the talent is there. Like he has the stuff to potentially be one of the 10 best relievers in baseball. Yeah. And we and sort of saw, we, we saw that glimpse in 2018. We saw that. And then it's just been tantalizing because it's, it has not been there. And he's had a lot of off the field uh drama or not drama but like stress that has definitely affected it and health issues that have affected it so there's been a lot of things outside of his control some members of the media have been rather harsh on on jose alvarado there's been some tough things so a a change of change of scenery could help it's also going to the phillies who are maybe one of they have not a great track record with uh pitching development so not maybe the best change of scenery i really wish he was going to the dodgers I really wish he was going to the Dodgers because I would love to see him. I don't want to make them better, but I would love to see, I like Jose Alvarado a ton. I really root for him so much and I want him to succeed. And I hope he does for the Phillies, but I hope they get better at pitching development. Uh, So good job by super Sam fold for his first trade uh, as general manager of the Phillies. Gets to trade with Andrew Friedman and Eric Neander, guys that he knows very well. This is this is just really smart, right? Like you go to like if you're like transferring to a new school and you find like two friends that you knew from an old, you're like, hey, you guys, <laughs> I need to, I quick. It's it's so I don't want to call up uh every, anybody else. I'm gonna call my friends and say, hey, do you want to make a small trade? Uh, no, it's a great move for the Phillies. Um, I think it's just a solid. I mean, the Dodgers and the Rays are just sort of in there, kind of sort of moving some 40 man pieces around here. So that's fine there. Yeah. This was for very the Rays trade. I think. Yeah. I mean, for the Rays, somebody was it uh Heyman that said like, Oh, the Rays save more money. It's it like was, um, New York post, uh, Joel Sherman. 
Joel Sherman, yeah, even lower than uh, <laughs> Heyman. Um, yes, offense. Uh, it, yeah, it's not saving money. It's like saving like 300K because there's a roster right. spot that that goes to. It's for whatever. Anyway, <laughs> New York Post, not going to. The Rays tendered him a contract. They were uh, prepared to pay him. Like, Yeah, but that's but this is why. We said he was a good bet, bet for that million dollars. He is a good bet. Um, somebody was going to take that bet. The Rays did it first, then the Phillies. That the raise 40 man is very full. We've talked about this. There's going to be really tough cuts and there's going to be really tough trades where you're going to not necessarily get your most return, but somebody has to go. And I think in this, you look at a guy like Van Sheriff, a left-hander who they picked over Jose Alvarado for the world series roster. I think that was a big kind of sign that maybe the raise trust in Jose Alvarado was a little bit less. And, and so, Shane McClanahan as well. And Shane McClanahan. So that was two lefties that got there. The flamethrowing lefty with bad control uh, and the 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 less flamethrowing but better control sheriff. So Jose Alvarado is now out. That's still, the Rays have a pretty good depth with lefties. They lose Aaron Loop. They lose Jose Alvarado. But coming back is a guy that he traded for in midseason and Cody Reed, who absolutely could be left-handed Chaz Rowe for this team. I'm very excited about him. So the Rays bullpen is really that stable is tough to crack into. So as much as I, I hate to see Jose Alvarado go, cause I do personally just really like him and really root for him and believe in that talent. When the Rays trade from the bullpen, I think that's always kind of a fun thing because they have so many, so many good arms they can use there. And that also opens the door for minor league free agent signings yeah. of veterans like an Aaron loop, like a John Curtis, like an Aaron sluggers who they can go identify guys. There's too many. Uh, there's too few spots for too much talent out there. And you bring them into camp and see who hits, see who doesn't put them onto the big league roster and find that next reliever. And you kind of keep that churn going, you know, last year they traded Emilio Pagan saw no drop off and still stayed the number one bullpen. So uh, that one's a good roster move. I think, I mean, I don't know much about Paulson, but I think you get a guy that's off the 40 man, you get something for a guy that just didn't have any space, you know? Right. And so. you, there's still two lefties that are going to that went, underwent Tommy John surgery, Colin Boucher and Jalen Beeks, who are very different pitchers from Jose Alvarado. But in terms of lefties, I know the Rays don't just pick, all right, we need to have five righties and three lefties. That's not really how they do things. But there are other left-handed pitchers that are on the team that we probably won't see in 2021, maybe late in the year, depending on the, on their rehab uh, stints. But yeah, Ryan Sheriff, Cody Reed, who, yeah, who went like on the IL with a, with a fingernail injury like or some pink, sort of finger pinky, injury. Like a pinky fingernail thing. Yeah, it was and not a... All of a sudden, none of the tough things. Day, like... <laughs> I don't know if they just needed the roster space, but Cody Reed, yeah, definitely a very exciting guy uh, to, to see and how he bounces back in 2021. But yeah, there are still moves to be made. You could still realistically seeing uh, them bring in a veteran catcher on a minor league deal, maybe even a major league deal. We don't know what roster sizes are going to look like. We don't officially know when spring training is going to start. We don't, we don't know how many playoff teams there's going to be. Which, and I don't want to get off onto this tangent, but might have played at least somewhat of a factor in the Blake Snell trade where you don't need to be a 95-win team to make the postseason in 2021 like they needed to be a few years ago. So, so real real quick, I do want to touch on that, right? The, first of all, it is absurd that we still don't know 
but like hopefully we know before the start of the season like last year was like like two weeks before um, oh it was the day of it was opening day oh, it was the day of well they were rumored it was rumored <laughs> that they were going to do it for like those two weeks but it was yeah confirmed uh here's the thing in the postseason you do need pitching right so not having snell will hurt come postseason time however there is a long way to go before that and if there is still eight teams in the postseason it really does suck to think about where you are building your team. And if you were saying like, we have one more year with Snell because we were going to move them in year two. And let's just say that's, you know, I'm not saying that's we should be, but like, that's, that's the way you're trying to think. Do you really want to spend that year of value on potentially getting knocked out in the first round because you played two kind of okay games or one reliever has a bad inning yeah. And another reliever has a bad, like somebody misses one catch and suddenly you're out because you lost to a you lost to 500 the ball club White Sox or the Blue Jays, you know? <laughs> yeah. You, you lost to, you know, that, that is a really tough way to build your entire season up. And like, if you look at it, the, the Dodgers and the Rays, they, they were the number one seeds and they made it all the way to the world series. So everything worked out. The baseball dodged a bullet. And it wasn't particularly close in that first round, but the Blue Jays and like, you know, the Dodgers and the Rays could have absolutely lost that first round and three game samples, anything can happen. Right. So it really is tough to build a whole, it, it diminishes the value of the regular season by a tremendous amount. The Rays having a guy like Blake Snell really helps them compete in the regular season. It helps them compete in the postseason, but that, it, that separates you. And you're talking about a couple of games between being in the postseason and not. Suddenly, if if it doesn't really matter, if you're like, oh, I'm the sixth seed or the eighth seed or the first seed, and I'm still playing a three-game playoff series, maybe, maybe that's a factor that you're like, I don't know. And then there's a complete uncertainty with the CBA the year after. Are you thinking, you know what? Maybe yeah. now's the time to make the move and see I, how this shakes out. I, I think that's I a great know. point, and I think I would probably operate in the same way if I was the Rays, if I was the Rays general manager or any general manager. But I still don't know if it's a great excuse to not try and be as good as you can be, and that's yet to be seen. Maybe Absolutely. the Rays are still going to put together a really good team, not only this year, but maybe you know they've got six years of Patino. There might be a lot of wins above replacement to be had across those six years, and Mejia is the same way. So. It's going to be interesting to see, but yeah, the Rays are have been the best, the probably the most active team this winter. I can't think of a team, and that's a question. That's a question. Well, probably the Padres, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but only because they're working with the Rays. Um, question for you, Brett. You said they're the most active. Do you think there's more moves to be made by the Rays? Do you think there will be more moves? Not you personally would make more moves. Do you think the Rays add another pitcher? Uh, yes. In, in some capacity, it might be a minor league addition, um, it, with a uh, minor league deal with, you know, major league deal. If they break camp, I'm still in the go after Archer camp. Um, and I think it's possible now with the money they have moved and the money they still might move. I don't know if that's going to happen, but yeah, I think they, with the pitchers they have now, are you comfortable with Josh Fleming and Trevor Richards? Like, in the rotation. I know you've got a lot of other young guys too. I don't know. And the, and the Rays now they have opened themselves up to make this more moves. I'm not saying they're going to go out and get, you know, Trevor power. 
or or Masahiro Tanaka, but they might go out and get a guy like Chris Archer on a one year deal or another guy on a you know on a, a short deal or a minor league deal. If it works out, great. I still really like the team. I still do really like the rotation, uh, but there's a lot more flexibility. So yeah, I think there's a lot of moves left to be made. I think I think that's the good way to look at it. I think the Rays can make another. I think the Rays will probably make a couple more moves. Uh, I think the biggest thing is I do think there's going to be another pitcher added. I would love to see just just the narrative and always do like they always do, which is make a crazy big trade that gets a ton of attention and everyone's like, what are the Rays doing and how are they going to do it? They're taking a big step back. They're going to be a step back year and then sign like James Pax into a one year deal or something, yeah. something like that. And suddenly you're like, okay, well now you've kind of replaced you you've not maybe replaced the ceiling of Blake Snell, but James Paxson's like a three to four win pitcher. Right. He stays healthy. Suddenly now you can like go into the season and go like, okay, that rotation is maybe not as good as last year, but could be better. If one of that kind of ton of young pitchers, McKay, Honeywell, Fleming, Joe Ryan, Shane McClanahan, like one of them emerges and, or Luis Patino arrives early. Like, you could get, you could see potentially going into the season with more volatility and uncertainty with that rotation, but being better or being worse, but starting from a, 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 a more unsure standpoint. But I would, I would like to see somebody on that, you know, at least like a two win pitcher, like a, a solid veteran guy brought in just to, just to help push that depth down a little bit so that maybe by mid season, you can totally shake it up. You can, move some pieces around but I'd like a little bit more depth i always want more depth in pitching though it's, you can never have enough you can never have it. last last year proved yeah the yeah. yankees <laughs> yankees kind of got sunk by their lack of uh depth whereas the rays faced as many injuries but kept you know kept running so always want depth 40 game season 60 game season 162 game season whatever you want that <laughs> All right, well, that is going to do it for Raise Your Voice this week. We're back. 2021 is going to be, I'll, I'll say, an exciting year. I won't say a good or bad year. It'll be an exciting year in all things Rays baseball. So, Darby, thank you for hopping on. Thank you to all who listened. If you would like every episode from the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network to be downloaded directly to your device, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. Rating and reviewing our podcast network, if your platform allows it, is the best way to spread what we do to more and more Rays fans. And as always, make sure to head on over to DRaceBay.com to check out all of the great off-season coverage, including some analysis of the trades of Blake Snell and Jose Alvarado and what the Rays might do next. So thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.